What's up, Extraordinaires? Brett Young with Urban Young coming at you right now. Hey, we're excited. We've got some cool guest appearances on some other podcast episodes, and we wanted to put those in the feed just to guys give you as much uh, content as we possibly could. On some of these playbacks, we just decided there was rich information uh, that served with our same message here, which is uh, epitomizing excellence in everything that we do. So we hope you guys get a lot of value out of this. It was fun being on there. We want to say thank you for all of the, the podcast hosts for the collaboration. And as we do these guest appearances, we'll make sure to drop these not only in the feed for the podcast, but also right here on YouTube too. So thank you guys so much for your support and your love and be extraordinary. Welcome back to the show. This is Caitlin Agar, your host, and I'm super excited to talk to you guys about all things recruiting and talent today. You've been following the past couple topics. We've talked about team building and how to coach based on different personality types. And today we're chatting with someone who is a pro at all things team building and culture. And so before I dive into that, if you haven't had a chance to click subscribe, we'd love for you to get that notification every Monday so we can keep you posted on what's going on and just really excited about our guest lineup. So without further ado, I wanted to welcome Brett Young to the podcast. Hi, Brett. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Doing fantastic. And I've really been looking forward to this conversation. We are in an insurance agents mastermind together for agency intelligence. And a topic came up on the thread about recruiting and team building. And we started chatting in the comments and I knew that we had to have a podcast episode about this. So thanks for coming on the show. Oh man, I'm super fired up. It took a little bit, but uh, it's I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And I know most of the agents listening probably already know who you are. Brett, you are the CEO at Urban Young Agency. And so tell us a little bit about your agency um, in Orlando, Florida, which, by the way, super smart place to locate <laughs> your agency if anybody's looking. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, it's central, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, so Urban Young was uh, what, 10 years ago. This year was 10 wow. years, which is a cool, yeah, which is a cool Thank you so much. It was a cool milestone. So, um, but we share uh, the scratch uh, insurance agency startup, uh, that background, which is super cool. We were just talking offline, but um, yeah, 10 years ago, um, I worked for, uh, I worked in the direct sales business for about five years and had some ex good experience and good success there and decided I wanted to get into the insurance space. Uh, it was an insurance product. I wanted to get in the PNC space. And I went and worked for a company for about a year and a half, 13, 14 months. And um, uh, so many agents have the experience, had a really bad uh, scenario, turned out to be one of the best decisions or not any decisions, one of the best you know things that happened to me. Um, I signed a non-compete. Uh, that was a very large non-compete. And I uh, was uh, promised to have a significant investing in my book. Uh, it was a 100% commission job. I had no experience other than that. I was given a laptop and I went and hunt what I hunt and I killed. I moved to another uh, city with my new wife and uh, made $13,000 my first year. And uh, on my renewal season, <laughs> on my renewal season, where finally at least some relief was coming, uh, they decided to change the game on me and said, oh, we're just kidding. Um, we're not going to do the deal that we gave you. But we do know that you signed a big non-compete. Uh, you just we didn't, I didn't, and I was foolish at the time. I didn't, I didn't get uh, anything in writing other than the fact that I, you know, was kind of forced into this space where, you know, I had uh, rules and regulations to guide me if I left. And at that point, my wife, uh, you know, I was like, you know what, it's fine. I'll just ride it out. It is what it is. And I had, speaking of recruiting and, and team building, I had brought four of the guys and, and gals that had worked with me at my past life over here to build uh, a sales team out um, because I wasn't lurking to 
start an agency. And uh, she just looked at me after I was trying to justify and justify and justify why it was okay, because it wasn't. Um, after she had, you know, obviously sacrificed so much and we had sacrificed so much was, yeah. was just, you know, you, you can't work there. That's just not, that's not the integrity of somewhere that you're going to be. So she's the hero. And she kind of just kicked me out and said, don't come back until you find another place to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went and I, I interviewed with all the major, bo- you know, big box shops, um, in the independent space. And mm-hmm. I had a couple of them that I had wanted to work for before I took this job, by the way, I got that job. I, I wish went on Craigslist and got my first gig after I passed my license. But, um, after, after I looked at a couple of different places, I realized that it just wasn't the right culture for me. Um, uh, wasn't the right place to build a, a team that I felt comfortable with. It was a lot of right. good cop, bad cop, a lot of corporate, and that was just mm-hmm. not my style. It wasn't just where I fit. So it kind of kind of came out of just necessity of starting from a place of like, okay, what, what do we do now? So my current business partner and my brother was getting out of school and I looked at them and said, hey, I've got this crazy idea to, to start an insurance agency. You guys want to go along the ride with me? Um, and lo- I only had, you know, a year worth of experience in the PNC world and they had basically none. Um, and they <laughs> said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Um, so uh, that's it. We just, we, we decided to do uh, something that if we would have known how hard it was, we probably would have started. Um, and three years later, we caught some traction and, and you know, we built a, a pretty nice business at this point. So we have uh, about 20, I think we have 2016 members uh, now. Um, we're in Orlando, we're in Melbourne, we're in Jupiter, Florida, uh, and we're opening uh, St. Petersburg, Florida here in the next week. So um, been, been, been a cool ride over the last couple of years. It took a little bit, but uh, it is the nature of the beast. So it's been super fun, feel super blessed. That's amazing. So congratulations. And it's, um, it's not easy to get your feet planted in the independent world and get an agency up and running. So it's nice that you had some trusted team members with you to help you kick off the agency. I know that Justin and I really relied on each other when we opened our first insurance agency 10 years ago. Um, it's really come a long way that you guys are just experiencing explosive growth your team culture is getting stronger and stronger. So what's it like to work on Brett's team? Oh man, that's tough. Uh, number one, it's not my team. Um, so, uh, but I would hope, um, God, that's a tough one. You'd probably, we should interview some <laughs> of the, the squad, but I, I would hope that it's, um, uh, I hope that it is, 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 is fun, but uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, we push hard. And uh, we don't apologize for it. Um, and it's kind of like having a seat at the table. If you want a seat at the table, like it, there's a certain level of, of of it that's required. But man, when 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 it clicks, you know, it, it is dynamically uh, unique to have uh, a, a group of people who are operating at a frequency that is just clicking, and that's you know that that's making progress and that's moving. So um, I think it's challenging. I think it's fast paced. Um, I think it's quick. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's super fulfilling to see, you know, watching people, you know, come in to point A and, you know, they can move to point, you know, D or E in, in, in a short amount of time. I think people kind of wake up and realize what they're, what's possible for them. So um, yeah, so we have a good time, but you know, it, we get after it. That's awesome. That's one of the things we say at Quantum is that um, we, we're, our goal isn't to make it easy. That's not the top of mind thing. You know, the best things in life to be had are often hard um, to achieve, but we want you to be successful. 
We want to take the mystery out of what it takes to succeed. We want to remove any unnecessary barriers that don't need to be there and knock those down. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Yeah, we have a term in here that says embrace the suck. Um, <laughs> and whatever you're going through and whatever, you know, and I love that. We, I call it selective hardship, right? Hardship is a part of life. So you might as well, you might as well, you know, face into the wind and really enjoy it because it's just part of the deal. So, um, no, it's it, it, that that journey for the first three or four years, three years in the business is, is, you know, that story, I guess, is, you know, probably one of my most prized possessions because uh, mm-hmm. what it, what it takes to be successful, what it takes to break through a barrier um, that there's, and there's, look, there's no shortcuts, you know, like you can have the, you can have a fancy sharp ax, but the fact of the matter is you still have to swing it. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think, I think there's a, I think sometimes that's, um, something I have to remind myself to not make it too easy because it's not supposed to be. But I agree with you, right? You want to give people the tools. I think a lot of that journey in the beginning was we didn't have the right tools. We didn't know what we were doing. So um, how can we, you know, do what's called success compression? So how do we take that three and a half years and shrink that down to a year and a half? Um, and if we could do that at the same level of intensity and understanding what's available and the fact that it's still going to be tough. I, I like that. That's a mission I can sign up for. I dig that. In the mom world, we call it learn to love what must be done. You'll see that over a couple. <laughs> oh man, that's perfect for the washing mom world. I'll say right there. <laughs> yeah. But it's so true. And it's such a forgiving industry because it does, it's, it's such a fantastic business model. It gives us a little time to a uh, little wiggle room to try some things. Um, we've tried bunches of things over the, the years that failed and didn't work and it, it can suck sometimes. So um you mentioned that it feels awesome when things are clicking along smoothly. So I definitely want to unpack that, but what are some of the times when things just gummed up the gears and like weren't clicking? Oh man. How much time do you have? Uh, (laughs) um, No, like it's so funny. Like you you remember the, you remember the times that you're walking, you know, uphill in snow, right. Uh, Barefoot. Um, I mean, some of the tough times or some of the times it didn't click, um, our business model in the beginning was so uh, we had three partners, right? So in the beginning, you're trying mm-hmm. to feed yourself, right? And then right. let alone, it was very nice to have partners. And I'm a huge, huge fan of partnerships. Uh, I wouldn't do this if I didn't have my partners. They're, 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 you know, they're amazing. It's just in the beginning, you know, you don't realize how tough it is to feed three mouths at the exact same time with a scratch startup. That's very difficult. So in the beginning, we were going out and using our own relationships and going out and and earning business and bringing it back and writing it very independent, right? Like, okay, Hey, everybody, let's go out and let's write business. And and that's how we'll work this. And it was choppy. You know, it was Mm -hmm. very individual. It was very, Mm -hmm. uh, there was no workflow. It wasn't wasn't streamlined. So scale it because everyone's doing their own thing and they're inconsistent up one month down the other. Absolutely. That's a great way to say it. So, you know, is this going to work if we add six, seven, eight, my people, and the answer was no, this is choppy. So there was a moment where we decided to kind of delineate roles between the three of us and kind of have mm-hmm. a, a, a proper workflow. Um, it took humility because not everybody wanted to do the specific things, right? Um, some people want to, you know, everybody wants to do the sexy job, but not everybody wants to do the non-sexy job. So that took some humility and some uh, just understanding and communication. But when that happened, um, you know, from going out into the community and acquiring Firing the business to, to quoting the business to, 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 you know, converting the business and to servicing the business, that whole streamline, we started to catch some really good traction. And that's when we started to say, okay, we're, we're developing a model that's scalable at this point. As you guys have scaled, 
how have you had to adapt your team culture to support that growth? Um, you know, I think it's about the components, right? You know, you have, uh, right, you have the marketing, then you have the actual salesmanship, then you have the relationship management, right? There's really three components in our business. And, you know, although those across the whole, you know, I guess, life cycle of a customer, there are, um, there are compatible qualities that make that uh, experience great for a customer and that can make you successful in any prong. Although what I have found is it does take uh, specific skill sets in each of those three buckets. Um, so kind of making sure that you're attracting and recruiting the right type of talent for whichever position you obviously need on the bus. But then once someone you know masters a specific uh, set of skill sets in that in that spectrum, you know, then it's an opportunity for hey, they can grow into. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of guys in that are really great sales. Their salesmanship is fantastic. They're great at converting you know business uh, people. You know they love them. Uh, but when it comes to going out and getting uh, and making the phone ring, right. And acquiring business from a standpoint of, of on that front end of the customer acquisition, they have a really hard time with that, right. That's, that's a completely different skill set. If I give them 50 opportunities, um, and say, you know, treat these with gold and, and do a great job and make them fall in love with you, create raving fans, they're great. But when it comes to here are a couple different ways you can go out and, uh, get those 50 opportunities, that's a whole different skill set. So, totally. uh, I, I think knowing where you uh, need to stack talent um, and then being able to develop that talent once you have it, you know? So if you have somebody that's great with relationship management and uh, you know, they're, uh, I call them more a care bear. Like they just love taking care of people. Yeah. Um, um, and there is a, it's a, it's a, it is a skill set. Um, they're very patient, right? Like, um, you know, making sure that if you're giving that person an opportunity that maybe they want to go do the marketing, maybe they want to change scenery maybe they want to get out you know yeah um so but you're not gonna if you have a marketing position available or you need to go uh you know make the phone ring and pound the pavement if you have somebody that has that skill set you're not going to try to uh, make them something that they're not so for us it's a matter of just as you get bigger and as you scale right it it, it becomes easier to figure out where is someone going to be successful because when early on they, they're wearing seven different hats mm -hmm. and as you grow and as you add team members you just become more specialized in what you do right four jobs all of a sudden becomes two right i have two activities instead of four i mean you know just when you start a business you have 15 different hats right um and then and as you close the gap you start to really find where your highest payoff activities are and you try to you know stay within those you know stay within that framework yeah. So what I'm hearing is that specialization of roles really helped you guys be able to maximize the productivity as opposed to having someone working on marketing, sales and relationship management all at the same time. And it makes sense because right. if you have a salesperson who also has to juggle making the phone ring, then that means there has to be a huge amount of time management going in and a huge amount of tracking to see what's working um, as opposed to just being on the phone or meeting with someone and having that conversation. And if they're really great at those effective conversations, if we can get them in front of the right person, we'll see a lot of productivity from that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and there's a progression to this, right? So, you know, like some of our guys that are running offices, right? They, they were, they're great sales, salespeople. And, 
And uh, but moving to that next state where you're, we call a market maker, uh, a market maker is very different than a quality agent. A market maker has specific qualities um, that are unique to uh, just creating awareness around what you do. So, um, you know, it, be, once somebody you can dabble, right? You, uh, so what the what it, usually the life cycle is if they're if they're doing really well and they're growing their salesmanship and they're they're growing sales, at some point they go, okay, let me get out in the field a little bit, and they start to get out in the field a little bit, a little bit, mm-hmm. and once they start to gain some traction, then it's like, okay, well, this higher payoff is 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 bringing in this type of business. Then we'll usually we're either work with them to build a team or around them or we'll build the team around them. And in turn, you know, they, they start to allow other people to, to take those calls and make those sales. And, um, you know, because they figure out that their highest payoff activity is no longer being on the phone, their highest payoff activity is being out and uh, developing relationships that are bringing in those referrals. Totally. So when you guys are thinking about your recruiting strategy, do you look for talent year round? Do you have a process that you apply to deciding that you're, that you have an open position? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm, I'm a, this is, this is a a mantra and a huge fanatic of this is just always be recruiting. There is no, we're open for recruiting, you know, we're hiring. We are 100% always. You can always afford good talent. (laughs) You can always afford good talent. I can't tell you how many of the team members in here, um, you know, we've got some incredible uh, women in here that are just dynamic as it gets. And we weren't, you know, we weren't recruiting. We weren't hiring. There was no positions available, but you come across some somebody that's a culture fit first and that has all the skill sets to be successful, you know, there, you can't afford to pass on those people. So um, you should have a margin of You should have a margin on your virtual bench. Like sometimes you're, you're, you know, sometimes you're understaffed and sometimes you're overstaffed, but to like, it's, it's very unlikely. And it's usually a lightning in a bottle. If all of a sudden you look, I go, wow, I'm at, I'm at perfect capacity with the right type with the right amount of people, just because if you run into somebody that's going to be a quality fit, like that doesn't, you might wait another, it might be a year or two years before you get an opportunity for that. And at that point, now you're understaffed and you're like, Oh my goodness, I would, what I would give right now to, to have not passed on that person. So just from a, now you have to be in a position of financial position to be able to do that. But, um, you know, leave yourself some margin because you don't, we don't always get to pick who shows up. Right. Um, and you don't, you definitely don't, I, you never want to pass on somebody that's going to be a, you know, long-term fit. That person could work for you for 10, 15 years and be an absolute stud. Um, and that's just, you know, that's what keeps me up at night. <laughs> it's the missed <laughs> opportunities. So yeah, no, no doubt. We're always recruiting. What does that look like? Do you guys um, do events, LinkedIn? Do you have a recruiting team? Do you use a vendor? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I know we were talking offline about you guys have an entire, uh, you've built out a department and a team for that, which I love that. That's a, you know, that's an awesome thing that maybe I'll turn the camera around. I interview here for you here for a second, but, um, and I've heard that other podcasts, but, you know, so we, we have, I'm sitting in a, this studio that we built out, we do a lot of content um, that it's been, you know, recently where we've made a, a decision that our, our greatest, you know, weapon, I guess, is our story um, and our, you know, our people and, and our culture and how we approach the business versus how we do the business. And, you know, all content is, is just telling that story over and over again in micro doses. Um, so content has been a massive uh, strategy in regards to kind of t- showing the heart of who we are. Um, and that is a very magnetic 
marketing approach to people asking, hey, what do you guys do? Or are you hiring? You know, what would this look like? Uh, so that's number one. And then number two, it's creating a culture of recruiting, right? Uh, everyone in here knows that we are always recruiting. Uh, it's, a, it's continually talked about that they are the best recruiters, um, that their network, that there are just absolute gold of people that are begging for an opportunity that are, you know, overwork, underpaid, very unhappy, uh, looking for purpose. And, you know, and quite frankly, on their knees at night asking for somebody, something to come into their life that's going to fulfill what they're looking for. So, and we just genuinely believe that we have that opportunity. Um, so, I think once you have a collective group of people that believe genuinely that you have that, um, you know, there is a, there is just this uh, significant reach that you have uh, to where, you know, people are, are knocking on your door instead of you necessarily going out and knocking on doors. Um, and then for me, you know, specifically my role, uh, I, I, I'm, you know, I am a team builder at heart. That was my uh, path before I got into the property casualty business. I absolutely uh, love that. That's my number one thing in, in business that I love doing. So for me, my day is occupied by doing that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm out meeting people and building relationships. And um, to me, every single person is a prospect. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm pitching an opportunity to work uh, for Urban Young. Um, I have, you know, I just got a call yesterday from somebody that uh, we talked five years ago um, about an opportunity to, to open an office. And um, she was very happy. She's very good. And we just been friends. So, and she just called me up randomly out of the blue. So, and that happens a lot. If you just stay in the game long enough and you just are continually making sure that you stay in touch with people. Um, so, you know, my day is occupied by that, but most, most of the team is just on a regular basis, always looking, uh, you know, for talent, which is nice. Yeah. And it sounds like that strong internal culture that you have has really impacted your external messaging and it's reaching people that are outside of your agency that want to be a part of it. Oh, well, I, that you, I really appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, you know, people talk about creating raving fans, uh, from an external standpoint, you know, like, so what we developed was, uh, we defined what our ecosystem looked like in here, uh, probably, I don't know, five years ago, um, through our life cycle of our 10 years. And, uh, we made a decision not by textbook, but just by looking at kind of what we cared about and how we operate the business was that, uh, team members was first, um, referral partners were second, uh, clients were third, and then insurance carrier partners were fourth. Um, and by no mere, by no way or means do I want to dilute the importance of any four of those components. But when we're making decisions and we're deciding how we're going to operate our business, at the at the core of what we do, we've got to have filters of why we do things, um, especially when we're faced with tough decisions. Um, and so for us, it's always been about recruiting. It's always been about team members. So everything that we do has to pass through those filters. So um, that has created that internal culture um, of community, of trust, um, uh, of doing what's best for the team first. Um, and in turn, you know, being able to, to create those raving fans internally first instead of externally, uh, I think has been a huge driver in saying, okay, hey, we've been doing this for years with just us. You know, I think there's power in sharing this story externally, um, and I hope people dig it. And, uh, you know, I think the, the reaction and the, the, uh, the feedback that we've got from people is that it's genuine and people really love it. Because I think even if you don't have a, a workspace where you get to participate in that, I think all of us want to feel like 
there are places out there like that that um, that are doing uh, the things that you know we all say on paper are important. Um, so I think even if it's not somebody that's connected with us directly, I think uh, I just got an email a week ago and it's somebody saying. Um, I will always be with you guys as long as you guys continue to operate the business the way they operate the business with the team. And I thought that was cool. It had nothing to do with insurance, right? Wow. Um, it was it was a rate increase. It was like a you know in Florida we have just <laughs> massive rate increases. So it was an email about hey we we want you to keep you as a customer. You know we're doing our best to to find you another option, but it is a crazy. We are in crazy times. And he just that was a cool response that was good feedback that says. People care about the heart of your organization too, uh, not just about what you do, but kind of more, more or less about who you are. Absolutely. It, it, they do. And it makes them feel very secure. And that's what we're looking to um, communicate in the insurance conversation. So it goes a long way when they know that they're working with good people yeah. and that your company is taking care of people. Um, so speaking of those tough decisions that you mentioned, I don't think there's anything harder than having a candidate in front of you and having to decide if they're a good fit for your team or not. So obviously yep. you guys have a, a high bar this person's going to have to live up to. Um, but what, I don't know, from my experience, it's, it's, it's hard to get to know somebody in a couple conversations and you know yep. that they're putting their best foot forward at the time and you have to kind of sift through some of those things and think about whether or not they're going to be the right fit. You know, they'll be the right fit for some company somewhere, but are they the right fit for our company right now? And yeah. um, it's not always easy. It's not always straightforward to, to make that call. So, so talk me through that decision-making process for you guys. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's a great, we have a very, it's very, um, well, let me back up because it is a specific process and I, I it, it takes a little okay. bit longer, but for us, it's um, been, uh, invaluable to figure out who somebody is during like yeah. a job interview. Cause it's tough, right? Just looking through a resume and having an interview and doing a group interview. It, it's so formal that, um, it's not really us. Um, we do all that to go through and make sure we're not missing anything, but, um, we try to, we try to, we try to make it genuine to who we are first. Cause obviously they're, they're coming into our ecosystem. We want, if, if we want to put forth what our true message is, because if it doesn't jive, then it doesn't jive, right? So, um, but I think three things, like I'm always asking, you know, what's in it for them? And as a recruiter, I think you need to, you need to ask yourself, like, what, is, what truly is in it for this person to come work for the organization? And it can't be money. Uh, money's a given, right? Like, that's like saying you have good service. Well, good. Congratulations. You're in business. Everybody else is doing the exact same thing, right? So, um, and we boiled it down to four things. It's either fun. Um, you have a social environment. For us, it's personal development. There's personal growth opportunities here. And four, there's like, there's a noble cause, some sort of noble cause mm -hmm. that you have. So those four components, I think, give value to the person that you're speaking with. And you have to ask yourself, the question is, is your genuine value propositions one of those four or two of those four? But does that really match what that person is looking for? It, because they have a need. They're talking to you for a specific need. And if you took the money away from it, what is important to them? And does your value proposition fit that? So I'm always looking for that. Because uh, if it doesn't jive, then it's about the money. And it, if it's about the money, then there's always going to be somebody that's willing to pay somebody more than I am. Um, and there's always somebody that's willing to pay less. Um, so that's not a long-term fit. But, and then secondly, what type of skills do they have? Like skills equity. If mm -hmm. Do they have the proper skills that we need as a company that's going to allow them to come in and contribute? People are looking for that. They're looking for 
or the ability to say, oh, I have this specific skill set and it's needed so I could feel valuable and worthy, right? Like if I come in here and I don't have any skills that they need, but they're trying to train me, well, that's one thing and that's great, but I feel I don't get that sense of dopamine injection once I get to a company because I'm not able to contribute. And I think people mm -hmm. genuinely want to contribute. Um, and then three is uh, I'm always looking to sell the dream um, because ultimately a lot of times people can't see uh, what's truly available for themselves. Um, they're looking 90 days, six months, a year, I need a job. Um, what's the next chapter? I got downsized. Do I want to start my own business? Do I want to uh, go into the insurance business? Somebody said it was a good business, right? So being able to paint the picture of what's available to them based on where they're at, their skill sets and being genuine, I think we need we can do a better job in this business of selling what's available, selling the dream, because at the end of the day, people need that to be able to see a roadmap. So during those three kind of things that I'm looking for, um, we'll ask some interview questions, but ultimately we actually go across the, we go across the street and we grab a beer and that's the most important thing that we do. So we'll do a primary interview with the team lead. Then they'll bring in an owner and we'll do an interview with the, with an owner. Cause there there's three of us at urban young. And then after that, we usually have three or four of us go across the street. I mean, it used to be just three of us and now it's the team that they're going to be working with um, and just kind of hang out for an hour. Um, and that is by far the most important, um, prudent, uh, uh, best way to tell if somebody's going to be a fit because we're looking number one, like 99% of what we're looking for is, are they going to be a culture fit? Do they fit the values and are they going to have a good time? Do they want to grow uh, and do they play well with others? Um, so for us, it's a three prong attack. If they can, if they can do well on the first two interviews and then three, well, they pass the peers test um, and we can enjoy hanging out with this person um, even, you know, after, after hours, then that's a fit for us. You know, we could teach all the skills. That's interesting. So when you guys have the peers test, what are just examples of one or two things that they might say or do that would give you indication that they do, they are here to grow or they are going to be a team player? Are there, is it things like they're, you know, asking good questions or they're enthusiastic? You know, what are some things that, that stand out? Um, I think number one, I think just genuine energy is a big one, right? Like, um, That's gonna is this, is this person, a huge is this indicator? Yeah. Like I, I think as a person, you either brighten a room or you darken a room every time you walk into it, you don't have to say a word. It's just your energy about you is, is, is something that contributes or it takes away. Um, so that's number one. And I think you tell that in social settings um, specifically. Um, and then number two, you know, there may be a situation, why are they leaving their employer? What happened? What are their past experiences? Um, what's important to them? You know, have they ever taken a pay cut in, 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 in pursuit of something greater. I look for that because um, that tells me that they're after something. That tells me that they're after something more than money. Um, and, and it's just funny how it works, right? The more you grow personally, the more money you make. So the money takes care of itself, but it, it, that's important for me when I look at that and when I hear um, when we're having a conversation. And then, you know, I, Candidly, it's about some of the other relationships in their life, you know, uh, you know, did, you know, how's their relationship with their spouse, you know, to talk about their kids, you know, like what about, uh, you know, they might have a conversation about their community that they do stuff with their neighborhood and they might do stuff with their church and there's just that community involvement with other people that I look for is important, um, just because it shows that they can be a good friend it shows that they can be a good partner it shows they can be a great peer so 
man, it's just those soft skills that like seem so elementary. But when we run through resumes and skill sets and we focus on doing the job, we forget that we're hiring a person. We're not hiring a resume. Um, and I think so much about recruiting is being able to peel back all the stuff from job experience and see like, who is this person? Um, and I just think that that sequence is, it's just worked well for us. And, and it, it, that wasn't like something we decided that we we're going to do on a on a board and execute it. It just progressively happened because that's just genuine to, to us. You know, I want to go across the street and hang out with my team leads and have a beer and talk about life, you know? So, you know, just naturally culture is a reflection of the people who are you know, operating it. So I, we just want people to have that same, you know, buy-in that that's what they care about. That's so awesome. And I can't imagine someone leaving that meeting and not wanting to be a part of the Urban Young team. So I think that's great that they get to chat with the people they're going to be working with, get a sense for what the vision is, and then they're already excited about the growth and the difference that they're going to make. And then when you talk about selling the dream, the impression I get from you isn't selling this pie in the sky opportunity, but making sure you've articulated that insurance is a life-changing industry and that you may not have considered how impactful this really can be to your personal and professional growth and what it can mean to your family and what it can mean to your future. And so making sure they understand that I think is huge because insurance is that opportunity around the corner that many people have never considered. And I, I hate to see somebody pass up on that or miss out on it. Yeah. I think our industry is, very unique in a sense of like, there is just an unlimited amount of not only income that you can make, but autonomy. It is just, I have not seen a business, mm -hmm. if you can be successful, where you have just an absolute, you, you get it all. But there's a price to pay for that, right? Like, so in it, in it, in it, usually when you step into the insurance space, spare me what you know, like you have to start from a certain place. And so many times I've had conversations with people that are doing really well, you know, they're, um, the, you know, they're a six figure earner at their company, we're in a completely different industry, and they come in the insurance space, and they're, well, what do I have to do to stay at this income level? I'm like, well, you haven't earned that stripe yet, right? Like, you have to take a, a pay cut. And I've got, you know, guys in here that are, are now, doing the same amount where they came from, but they had to take a significant pay cut to come in. You don't get autonomy, time, freedom, and income, and all and team, all the stuff you get here without paying a price. And I think all of us are asking the question is, is the prize worth the price? All of us, whatever we do. And when you look at insurance in, for its face value of when you're starting off, it's so easy to say, ah, oh, God, that's just a tough price to pay. I don't know if I'm willing to pay that price. So it's so important that a we sell the dream because it is available and it is tangible and it's it is not that difficult but you have to be willing to put in the work and let time take care of itself uh and then but also it's like when people are here it's hey be here a year from now be here a year from now be here a year from now there is a certain amount of equity that needs to be put in to build a book of business that you just can't rush it you know you just can't rush so we live in a space where time is on our side as long as we allow time to be our side. So, you know, it's important to sell the dream to make sure that people know that this is a long-term deal and it's worth it uh, because there are going to be tough days. There are going to be tough situations. There are other jobs you can go out and get a quick fix. And this is just not one of them. Now that you've walked us through like that process of, you know, you're always recruiting, they find out about your agency, they want to be a part of it. They've had this meeting and now they're on the team. Now I have a hundred questions about how you get them plugged in and, and onboarded from there. So maybe one day, you know, you'll be able to carve out some time and come back on the show and, and walk me through that entire experience. Cause there's just gotta be so much good stuff in there. But before we wrap up today, Brett, um, 
I'm going to throw a couple interviewing questions at you and I'm just, I just want to pick your brain on this. So your interviewing process sounds pretty genuine and it, it, it sounds like, you know, a good experience for probably most people that come through your agency. What are some things out there that interviewers are doing that they need to stop doing? <laughs> well, this is all opinion. So I'll just preface it to say that I'm not an expert. Um, it's my opinion. Um, I think one of the major things that I have a problem with with interviews is I think a lot of people try to make people uncomfortable. On and, purpose, to like put them they, in the hot seat. Yeah, they try to, how do they perform under pressure? And um, to me, that is the absolute opposite that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get them comfortable so I can just genuinely see who they are. Because on a Tuesday at 10.30 a.m., after they've been in the organization for four months, they're not coming in on the hot seat. They're comfortable. They are being genuine to who they are. So I'm not trying to see how they're going to perform under this pressure. I, I want to know who they genuinely are as a person. So I think that's number one is creating these very difficult uh, complex, uncomfortable questions to try to get steps. somebody, yeah, to try to get somebody to give you some witty answer. You know, um, I just, I don't understand the purpose of that. So that's, um, that's one. And then number two, you know, I just, I don't, if you're somebody who values a culture driven organization and people first organization, I just, I, I would just, I just genuinely think that getting outside the office is important. Um, you know, getting somebody to relax uh, is important. I, I can't tell you how many people have told me just stuff that may, has made us not inter, is not hire them. Um, and and I'm, I'm thankful for that. It's just I know that they wouldn't be a good fit. I knew they I just knew they wouldn't be successful here. Uh, one of which was they were uh, they just they 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 had high had too high expectation of what it was going to take to build a book of business. Right. So it was easy to just say, hey, look, you can get there, but you're not going to get there fast enough. If you're not willing to do this, I just want to say this probably isn't an opportunity. So, and if, and if I didn't take the time to slow down and get them in a you know, space where they felt comfortable enough to talk to me, I'm going to invest all this time in this person to find out what I could have done. in you know, you know, two conversations with them, if I just would have slowed down. So flip side of that coin, Brett, what's some advice you have for someone who might be interviewing for a new role? Oh man. Um, <laughs> Probably write a book on it. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, humility, you know, um, it, it don't ever uh, bad mouth uh, your past employers um, and humility in the sense that you, you don't have it all figured out and, um, and that you're searching and you're hungry to, to learn more. Um, you know, so many times I'll, I'll watch people talk about how well they did at their past places. And, you know, you want to highlight that stuff, but you also want to say, you know, I, I was able to, to create this type of success. I was able to do this, but I know that there was more in the tank. Um, here's what I learned from that process where I could have given more. I think that just shows that your angle comes from a place of like, yeah, I got, I did have some success, but I know that I could have done more. And here's what I've learned to be able to apply that to the next time. Um, so humility reflection is invaluable. It is invaluable. So awareness of what you're good at, awareness of what you're not good at. But to me, all that comes down to just humility, right? Um, so if somebody is standing in front of you and they're just transparent and, and, and they have genuine humility, to me, that says they're coachable. And if you're coachable, then we can get to wherever you need to go um, as long as you're the right person. But if you're not coachable, it doesn't really matter what skill sets you have unless you're the Michael Jordan of those skill sets because we're going to battle. And then that's just not a good situation <laughs> for anybody. Oh man, having that coachable attitude goes such a long way. And 
Um, yeah, getting outside of that comfort zone, embracing the suck, as you guys say it. And so, Brett, thanks for breaking that down for us. And just to recap, agents, um, Brett's process for chatting with a candidate and communicating that value proposition of your agency um, outside of the compensa compensation, what else are you going to do to create that fun social environment where they know they can develop personally and grow and be pushing forward that noble cause together, I think is such a great takeaway for all of us. So thank you for sharing. And um, I know it's a fun time for the Urban Young team. You guys have your leadership summit coming up. You guys are going to be um, having a great time. We're going to have a blast, man. Super fun. We get off site every year and we blow it out. We do two days of uh, personal development, not professional development. We spend some time on some subjects to, you know, as part of that noble cause is people come, they, they, if you want to, coming into this organization, I promise you, you won't leave the same way. So we grow people, not insurance agents. So we'll spend some time working ourselves and fellowship and having fun. And it's, uh, it's the Super Bowl event of our year. So we're, we're, we're pretty fired up. That's so awesome. So I hope you guys have a fantastic event and thanks for coming on the show. How can our Listeners, reach out to you if they have questions uh, about uh, recruiting or your agency. Well, number one, thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan. You guys do such a great job. And, uh, you know, there's a, what, what is that? Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Everybody <laughs> needs somebody to chase. So I'm chasing <laughs> you. Um, but no, I, I really appreciate you having me on the show today. Super fun. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on uh, LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on on Instagram. Um, you know, uh, we have uh, our corporate profiles. We have my personal profile. Uh, Taylor Young is my other business partner. Rod Herb is my other business partner. That's that's usually the best place to follow. We put out a ton of content. Um, some of it's, you know, educational. Some of it's just fun. Um, at the end of the day, it just kind of shows our our, you know, our heart of what we do and, and who we are. So yeah, if you guys just, just drop me a, uh, a connection, I'd love to chat, but, uh, candidly, uh, wealthy people build networks. Everyone else looks for work. So if there's anybody that's listening to this, um, I'm a genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked about the independent agent, uh, uh, community that's happening right now online. There's just some incredible, incredible operators that have come together to get better. So I've never been more geeked about kind of where the industry's heading. So I'd love to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks so much for sharing with us and just unpacking some great steps that we can all apply. And that way we can make sure we're always recruiting year round, just like you're always selling, always marketing. We should always be recruiting. So thanks for tuning in agents to this episode of the Age of Independence. I hope this episode sparked some great ideas for you, sparked that entrepreneurial spirit. And I wish you guys um, a super successful week. Thanks, Brett.